everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. You can feel him change gears, that slight shift as he presses the clutch and moves it out of fourth into fifth. You experience that torque, those RPMs. You're really cruising now. I'm not describing riding in an Italian sports car, no. I'm describing reading the Ten Commandments. Because this fifth commandment is a transitional commandment. It bridges the vertical commandments with the horizontal commandments. The first four, those vertical ones, have to do with our relationship to God or theology. The last six are the horizontal directives, and they deal with our relationship toward our fellow man, the ethical aspect of life. Thus, our theology determines our ethics. But in our culture today, it's very popular to have the ethical thing going on, and then we let our ethics determine our theology. But God says, once you put me at the priority and in the rightful position in your life, then your ethics and behavior will change. So this fifth precept is a connective commandment. It's a segue, a sort of bridge linking the two sides together. God, being God, could have chosen a number of significant relationships to highlight, but God picked the parent-child situation. He picked our relationship with our parents. And he said these words in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Popular words. Honor your father and your mother. God said it. Honor your father and your mother. Why did God choose the parents? Honor your parents. Why was he into this deal? I truly believe that our parents and this relationship we have with them is a critical cog to our connection with God himself. But if you look around our society today, it's not popular to honor our parents. Movies and sitcoms and songs paint parents out to be mumbling, stumbling idiots who are have no clue about life. And on top of that, the baby boomers and Generation Xers, or in this case, the blaming boomers and Generation Excusers, are riding the pop psychology wave. You know, that victim-driven wave that shirks responsibility and shifts it to their parents because we say in these generations, hey, my parents messed up. They dropped the ball. They pinned my diapers on too tight. They painted my nursery the wrong color. And it's because of them, and it's because of their problems that I have a problem. Sound familiar? Sound very 90s? It it sounds really hip these days to ride that wave. We're talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm in a series called first in 10. We've been hitting on the major priorities of life, and today we're talking about the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. 
Like with the other commandments, we're going to lob the same three questions at this one. The meaning, what's the meaning? What was God driving at? The mentality, what, what was going through his psyche when he thought this one up? And the implications, the how, the so what principle, the applicational aspect of this commandment. The meaning, the mentality, and the implications. Something we have to think about, something we have to consider when we read the Bible. Because remember, the Bible was not given to us just for our information. It was given to us for our transformation. The Bible is not to be worshipped. We are to take the words from God that he inspired certain men and women to write. And we're to take those words and to live them out to put shoe leather beneath them. That's why we're studying these timeless principles. And remember this. When God penned these words, when he literally forged them in stone on Mount Sinai with Moses, he had our best interest in mind. God was taking on the picture of a loving and guiding and perfect parent. So having said that, let's look at the meaning of number five. What's the meaning? You see the word honor? Honor your father and your mother. We need to understand what the word honor means. Because some of you are saying, oh, oh yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. Honor means respect. That's it, respect. Not quite. You're kind of getting there. And I understand why you would think that, because in our society, the word honor and the word respect are used synonymously. But, but here it's a little bit different. The word honor in the Hebrew is a stronger word, a more all-encompassing word. To respect your parents means to hold them in high esteem. But here, the honor thing, the honor thing means we're to take our parents seriously, and watch this, with our attitudes and our actions. We're to take our parents seriously with our attitudes and our actions. I like that. It's a dualistic thing. My attitudes and actions should reflect how seriously and how much I respect and hold them in high esteem. And I'm going to stop here and ask you a very penetrating question. Are you honoring your parents? Are you honoring your parents? Well, right up front, this commandment assumes a lot, doesn't it? It says, honor your father and your mother. It assumes that we know our father and mother. Some of us don't even know our parents. And furthermore, some of us don't have that good a relationship with our parents. So this verse assumes that we know our parents and know them well enough to honor them, to bestow them appreciation and love and all those things we're going to talk about. Well, God understands that. God understands the fact that many of us have painful backgrounds. Many of us have been hurt and abused and taken advantage of concerning our parents. Just to think about a dad or to think about a mom causes some of us to break out in a cold sweat. It causes some of us to get really upset. But i got to tell you something. There are no exemptions here. There's no escape clauses here. A bunch of attorneys didn't draft this one. I don't care what your parents have done. I don't care how awful they've been. The Bible tells us to honor them. 
If you have gone through abuse or pain, I'm going to get into that in just a second because God has a tough word to your parents who hurt you, but let's not talk about it now. Just, 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 just remember that. Put that in the frontal lobe of your mind, okay? Okay? God was driving at taking our parents seriously. That's the meaning behind this directive. God goes into the mentality, though, and he talks about the perks of this principle. I love that God always shows his hand to us. God says, okay, here's what I want you to do, and now I'm going to show you why I have this mentality. And God did not want us to miss number five. That's why he repeated it about four times in the Bible. And I want to read to you the perks of this principle that God gives us. You can follow along on the side screens. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. The final part of the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother that you may live long. That's longevity. I want some of that. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. That it may go well with you. So if I honor my father and my mother, what's going to happen? It's going to go well with me. It'll go well with you. That's stability. So I got longevity going on. I got stability going on. I want to be stable too. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. We're in the New Testament now. Honor your father and mother. Why? For this is right. That's sensibility. We're on a roll now. Longevity, stability, sensibility. And finally, Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. For this pleases the Lord. That's tranquility. Longevity, stability, sensibility, tranquility. I want to sign up for that action. How about you? I really want some of that. And God says to us time and time again, that will be your life. That will be the result. That will be what you will reap if you get number five right. If you hit this gear, you're really going to cruise. You're going to feel the torque, the RPMs, because you're living within my guidelines. You're going down my freeway. You're within my guardrails. And I love God for that. But I know what's going on here. A lot of us, I'm talking to adult children now, we have these toxic tendencies and attitudes and rebellions going on. And we've taken this stuff and we've buried it in our tracts of land. And we've buried it in places where most people can't even see. Yet it drives a lot of junk in our lives and we don't really want to deal with it because we like to have this toxic pollution kind of going on beneath the surface. Well, a friend of mine in this church has a company that cleans toxic waste off large tracts of land. The other day I went by his company and he told me how they pinpoint tract after tract after tract of land and they go in and clean it up. I want you to open your heart and your mind to this fifth commandment. Challenged by God himself, I want you to allow him to take care of this pollution, to take care of this toxic stuff, to take care of those rebellions, of those attitudes, of those moments that you've dishonored your parents, and allow the Lord to clean you up. I want you to do number five, to honor your father and your mother. God is family friendly. He thought the whole design up. 
Go way back. I'm talking about back, 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 back to the book of Genesis. God was always dealing with the emerging family. He dealt with Adam and Eve and all of their family. He dealt with Abraham. He dealt with Noah. In this situation, he dealt with Moses. He dealt with the children of Israel. You have the prevailing family. It's God's divine structure. And for some reason, this structure supernaturally links us to God himself. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, most of us get our concept of God from our families. That's how we understand and that's how I really know the God that we serve. We talked about the meaning. We're to take our parents seriously by our attitudes and our actions. We talked about the mentality and the perks of this principle. And so we're really starting to cruise now, aren't we? We, 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 we kind of feel it getting in gear now. We, we, we're cruising down the track. Let's talk about the application. Let's talk about the implications of number five. How do we make this real? Well, do you remember when I talked about God putting this whole thing in gear? That's what I want to challenge you to do. That's what we're to do on this commandment. We are to go through and hit on five major gears. We can't jump from one to five. We've got to hit number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. Because if we don't, if we skip around, we are going to forego the fifth. We're going to turn our backs on the fifth and we're going to miss out on the great stuff that God has in store for us. Because, I'll say it one more time, if we don't do number five right, it will mess up the very fabric and framework of our lives. And a lot of people here are running into problems because you've neglected God's word on this. What's the first gear you're saying, Ed? What's the first gear I'm to shift into? The first gear is the gear of love. The gear of love. Jesus said it over and over again. And specifically, he said it in John chapter 15, verse 10. Check the words out on the screen. He said, if you keep my commandments, if you live by them, you will, let's say that word together, abide in my love. What was he talking about? Abide in his love. Well, notice here, if we keep, if we live by the Ten Commandments, if we allow our theology to determine our ethics, if we live by these principles and precepts, we can abide in Christ's love. Abide in his love means that if I do life by these directives, I will do life with the favor of Christ on my existence. Isn't that cool? Isn't that an incredible deal? Wouldn't you like to live beneath and enveloped in the favor of God? I would. What does it mean to love your mother and your father? Love is not just saying, well, I love you. I love you. Surely that's enough. I've said the words. When Jesus saw that we had messed up, when Jesus saw that we fumbled the ball, and committed cosmic treason, he didn't just stand there and say, well, I see this cosmic chasm, I love you. He didn't just say it, he did something. He put it 
on the line. He sacrificed. He took the initiative. He bridged the gap between man and God by dying a sacrificial death. And he rose again and he offers us eternal life. He did something about it. So if I'm going to get into first gear with my mother and my father, I've got to do something about it. Yes, I can say I love you all day and night, but I've got to do something. I've, I've got to take the initiative. I've got to put it on the line. I've got to sacrifice. Am I just describing your relationship with your parents? Am I talking to you, student? Am I, am I talking to you, teenager? Am I talking to you, single adult? Am I talking to you, Generation Xer? or baby boomer, am I talking to you? Are you really doing this love gear? Are you? Well, there's another gear we've got to hit. After we hit the love gear, we've got to hit the second one, forgiveness. We've got to forgive. Forgive. And this is a two-sided one. And we're going to Camp out for a while on this one. We're going to do the KOA thing and take out the tent and the sleeping bag and just roast some marshmallows for a while because when you talk about forgiveness, it's a big time, all-encompassing, involved subject. Here's what the Bible says about forgiveness very, very quickly. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, it says, Don't give the devil a foothold. I love that text. Is that clear or what? Don't give the devil a foothold. In other words, if you have unforgiveness in your spirit, if you're harboring a hurt, if you're holding on to something, you, you are giving the devil a foothold. He, he, he's the ultimate rock climber, human being climber. He's just hanging there. And if you have unforgiveness in your heart toward a mom or toward a dad or toward a single parent or whoever, you better watch out because Satan's hanging on. To your life. The good news is you can be released. You can be cleansed. You can let go. Because the word forgive in the Bible means to send away. To just be done with it. Isn't that a great word? Because today, after this service, you can be done with it. Your sins and rebellions can be forgiven and forgotten. And after every birthday, my parents' IQ increases. It's amazing. They, they get smarter and smarter. And those of us who are adults remember when we were teenagers. And when we were teenagers, we, we thought our parents were brain dead. It's part of being a teenager. But they're smart now. For the most part, our parents did the best they could with what they had. They're not perfect. They're not infallible. But they did the best that they could. If you have any kind of problem with them, if you're holding on to anything, any kind of unforgiveness, if you have any kind of thing way, way down there in the depth of your spirit, it's time to let it go. It's time to come clean. But some of you are saying, and I'm talking to the group I mentioned earlier in the message, some of you are saying, well, Ed, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what it was like growing up in my family. You don't get it, Ed. You had great parents. I had horrible parents. There was abuse going on, alcoholism going on, drug addiction going on, fighting going on. You don't get it. You're right. 
I don't get it because I'm not you. There's no way I can identify with you. I can't get on your same level. However, there is someone who can, and his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus can identify with your hurt, with your pain. Think about it. When Jesus was dying on Calvary for your iniquities and mine, his best friends turned their backs on him. People spit in his face. He was cursed. He was abused. He was tortured just for you and just for me. So you can take your hurt and your problems and your pain to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. God does not turn his back on what you've experienced. And let me give you a very strong word you can hold on to. Because you don't have to get back with your parents. You don't have to get retribution. Let God settle the accounts. Because here is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 2. And I'll just give you this one word. He talked about a millstone. Jesus said, if any body, any adult, causes a little one to stumble... Jesus said it's better for them to tie a giant millstone around their neck and have them thrown overboard into the bottom of the sea than to mess around with a child. That's pretty strong language. Wouldn't you agree? So think about it. Putting a big old 400-pound boulder around your neck being thrown into the depths of Lake Grapevine? It'd be horrible. Well, Jesus said it doesn't scratch the surface compared to what's going to happen one day to those who have abused and messed around with their children, with their little ones. So you don't worry about it. However, you're still called to release. You're still called to send away, to let it go. You're still called to say, Satan, get off of my rock. Get off of my mountain, man. I want to live clean and pure before you. I want to release my parents. I don't care how numbed out they are. I don't care if they are clueless about this whole deal. You're commanded by God to do it. You're commanded by God to do it. Satan has a lot of real estate in Christ's followers' lives. Did you hear what I said? Satan has a lot of real estate in Christ's followers' lives. And you can always see the real estate that Satan owns and holds in a Christ follower's life because it has one sign on it, unwilling to forgive. Unwilling to forgive. Satan wants you to have that sign. He wants me to have that sign. And let's right now take the sign and pull it out of our real estate, trash it, get rid of it, burn it, whatever, and say, God, I want you to take my entire real estate. I want to have a spirit of forgiveness, even to those parents who hurt me and abused me. I told you we're going to camp out for a while here. There's another side of this forgiveness thing. Let me say a word to those who are living at home under the authority of your parents right now. Because there's some release work, there's some forgiveness work that needs to be done in your life. Hey, when was the last time you walked up to your mom or your dad and you said, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. I was wrong for my attitude. I was wrong for my disrespect. I was wrong for my rebellion. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? When is the last time you did that? You know what the penalty was for dishonoring your parents in the Old Testament? 
Thank the Lord we don't have this going on now. Death. Hey, you, you, you dissed your parents? You spoke to them in a condescending way, a sarcastic way, pop, it's over, see ya. But we don't live under that deal anymore. We'll cut the membership of our church in half, wouldn't it? I don't believe it might wipe us all out. But I've got to say this to you, children. I've got to say this to you, students. I've got to say this to those here who are living under the authority of your parents at home right now. If you don't do the forgiveness thing, if you don't hit this gear, it's like you have this big old honking sign on your refrigerator. Hey, I'm disrespecting, I'm dishonoring my parents. I'm messing up, and I think I can get by with this bad list. Are you trying to kid? Are you trying to fool? This is the best way to go. Keep short accounts with God and short accounts with the people mentioned in number five. Love. Forgiveness, second gear. Now let's hit the third gear. Cooperation. We're cruising now. The car's going faster now. Let's talk about cooperation. Because one of the ways I can honor my parents is to cooperate with them in a spirit of love and in a spirit of forgiveness. I'm to have this attitude and this action aspect going on. Are you cooperating with your parents? Because after all, they were placed in your life by God himself. God has a chain of command. God has a flow chart. And he puts people in authority positions in our lives to mold us and to shape us into the kind of image bearers that he wants us to become. He has that boss in your life for a certain reason. He has that manager in your life for a certain reason. He has that pastor in your life for a certain reason. He has that coach. He has that teacher. He has that whoever. It's always best to discover what the chain of command is, what the flow chart is, get yourself beneath it and involved in it and under it, and your life is always going to go better. We've got to be cooperative. We've got to be cooperative with our parents. My children and I have made up a game called Supersonic Candyland. No, it's not the normal Candyland. It's called Supersonic Candyland. Because we have two Candyland games. One's kind of trashed and the other one's kind of new. So we combine them. We have two boards, two decks of cards, and the kids and I team up and we have some intense battles for the young Supersonic Candyland Championship. A couple nights ago, it was EJ and Laurie versus Landra and Big Daddy. And we were into it. We were rumbling. It was intense. And believe it or not, EJ's team got all the way to the end. All they had to do was draw one more Candyland card with any kind of color on it and they would get into Candyland. It would be Nirvana for them. They would have the Young Family Supersonic Candyland Championship. But Guess what happened? As EJ reached for his team, as he reached on that deck of Candyland cards and pulled off the next card, it was Molasses Swamp. 
He had to go all the way back, all the way back to the, almost the beginning of the game. Landry and I high five. Yeah, we got this one. See, we always teach sportsmanship in the young household. That's for you. We didn't. We didn't do that too much, but Landry and I were able to win the young family supersonic Candyland championship. And we held this title for about a week and then now we're, we're not reigning champions. Anyway, after we ended this, this episode, there, there, there were some tears and some tantrums going on. That's right, even pastor's children have those problems. And so I said, okay, let's pick the game up. Let's pick the supersonic Candyland games up. Well, Lander and I were you know, doing it the right way. EJ and Laurie, the losers, they, they, they were taking the figurines and cards and throwing them in the box like Roger Clemens would throw them. You know, I said, what? I said, time out, time out. Hey, I, I see you're, you're, you're doing what I told you to do, but I don't like your attitude of cooperation. Your, your, your attitude and actions aren't linking up. Don't throw the cards in there that way. You're not doing what I told you to do in the proper attitude. You see, we can kind of quasi and pseudo cooperate with our parents, but I'm talking about real cooperation. I'm talking about real love. I'm talking about real forgiveness. We are to honor our parents, not because of what they have or have not done, because of who they are. If you're a parent, and maybe your student or maybe your child is here in this worship center right now. If you're a parent, I want you to cover your ears for a second. Just cover your ears, because I want to tell your children a quick secret. You probably won't be able to hear this. Hey, hey children, students, those who are living under the authority of your parents, I want to give you something that will change your family dynamic. The next time your parents ask you to take out the trash, make up your bed, clean your room, clean up the, the mess from supersonic Candyland, you say these words, I'd be glad to. I'd be happy to. I would love to. It would be an honor to do this for you. You're talking about snapping heads. You're talking about changing the course of your family. It's the third gear, cooperation. I told you, if, if you want to do this honor thing, you've got to love and forgive and cooperate. The fourth one, boom. value, value. We've got to value them. Isn't it something? We're born dependent on our parents. Then we become independent. And after the years roll by, our parents become dependent on us. And we're to value them at whatever stage we're involved in. I'll never forget what happened a couple of years ago. Every summer, I lead a beach retreat with our junior high and high school students. And we were on the beach and this young student walked up to me and she said, Ed, I've always wanted to ask you this question. I said, okay, go ahead, what, what, what is it? She said, well, <laughs> I'm always yelling at my mom because, and I said, time out. She said, what? You didn't let me finish. I said, I don't care what you're talking about. 
If you're yelling at your mom, you are wrong. You're not valuing her. You're not honoring her. You're not respecting her. You're not putting her in high esteem. You're not seeing that she was placed there by God himself. Don't talk to your parents sarcastically or flippantly. Don't make those faces or those head rolls or the eye thing or the body language. Don't do that. You're turning your back on number five. Value them. It's God's flow chart. It's God's chain of command. Value, honor, go, wow, there's dad. Wow, there's mom. Placed by God himself. Whoa, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give her value. I've said this many times on this stage. I'll say it one more time, children. And, and, and read my lips, okay? Your parents are smarter than you. One more time, your parents are smarter than you. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking just because you can turn your laptop on and access global information better than they can, that you know what's going on, that you have arrived. Well, I'm here to tell you, they've experienced Life on the rugged plains of reality, and they know more than you know. So at the end of the day, you've got to defer to them, you've got to love them, you've got to forgive them, you've got to cooperate with them, and you've got to value them. Number five. Number five. Because we're starting to pull some G's now, aren't we? Wow, we're going fast, man. Fifth gear, appreciation. Appreciation. We need to show our parents appreciation. From birth till death. I don't see any difference between diapers and bedpans, do you? We're called to honor them throughout their existence. Front page. Thursday in the USA Today said these words about this whole deal of appreciation. I quote, more than a third of elderly parents say their grown children have failed to help them in a time of need in the past five years. But when asked the same questions, only 16% of adult children agreed. Appreciation. Honor, respect, love, forgiveness, cooperation, value, appreciation. You know, when Jesus was, was dying on the cross for your sins and mine, he didn't say that much up there. As he was bleeding to death, as he was being pierced in the side, but, but, but one thing he did say, he said, John, take care of my mother talking about appreciation. John, take care of my parent. Well, how, how, how are we to do this? Let me give you some quick bullet points, some quick suggestions on appreciation. Number one, make sure your parents' needs are met. I'm talking about if you're an older child, make sure their needs are met. Make sure they have food and clothing. They might have to move in with you. 
We're called to do this. Make sure they have the right home or whatever you do, but take care of them and make sure their basic necessities are met. Another suggestion. Include them in special days. Include them in like birthdays or anniversaries or even vacations. Include them. A third one. Show them and give them special things throughout their lives. I'm talking about cards and letters and little knickknacks and toys and trinkets and all that stuff. Do that for them because that speaks a lot. It speaks volumes to them. It's all a part of appreciating your parents. Hey, children, students, those who live under the authority of your parents right now at home, why not send your parents a card? Why not buy them a little gift? Why not make something that advertises and exhibits your love for them? Why not? Because one day, one day, we're all going to get the call. I'm talking about that dreaded call when the voice on the other end of the line is going to say, it's your dad. It's your mom. At that moment in time, in a nanosecond, you will either hang your head in shame because you've turned your back on the fifth or you'll hold your head high with tears and sadness because you've done what God wanted you to do. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's never too late as long as they're alive to put it in gear. Put it in gear gear. Because the torque, the RPMs, the G's that you'll pull for God himself are truly and will be truly staggering. Staggering. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.